0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk
1: with your host, Robert Land.
0: Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert Long with Sports Radio six ten Sean Bajani. And joining us to talk, Astros is our contributor and co-host, Emeritus Stephen Kerr, bringing us nearly four decades covering sports around Houston and Texas. Great to see you, Stephen. Hey, it's great to see you, Robert. And we've been praying for you, buddy. Glad you're back. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And while I'm back... It's not looking good for Lance McCullers. He got an MRI or is getting an MRI on Friday after suffering a setback, looking more and more like he could be done for the season. I don't know if that's really a surprise to any of us. But the good news is J.P. France, and that's what I want to start with you guys. He's got six starts already, 1.15 whip, 3.44 ERA, 231 batting average against. Steven, do you think he looks for real to you?
2: Well, he certainly does. I mean, I think you've you know it's still a small sample size, but I think you've you've had enough starts where you're you can at least see where he was. And uh, unfortunately, a couple of those starts the bullpen blew it, or he might have <laughs> he might have had a couple more wins that he has right now. You know, you can't blame him for that. You know, and in some cases, the offense hasn't come through. But yeah, I'd say all in all, he is certainly looking you know a little better than I expected him to. I, I didn't expect him, of course, to come in and dominate you know, like Hunter Brown kind of domination. But you really can't complain too much about the way he's pitched lately.
1: He had, uh, you know, two, you know, starts that were the one where he really got rocked probably about three or four outings ago. But the guy gives you every chance to win. I mean, you're looking to, at this day and age, you're looking for a guy to get you through five. And if he gets you into six, it's almost like a luxury, especially if it's a J.P. France or a Brandon Belak type. And he's giving you every opportunity to win these ball games that he's been in for the most part.
0: Steven, what's your biggest concern about the Astros in the regular season? It could be different for a postseason situation, but just the regular season, what's your biggest concern?
2: Well, other than the obvious, you know, the offense is just so inconsistent. Uh, You you know, the bullpen is kind of going through some struggles. I mean, you're hoping that they'll do what they did, you know, toward the end of the season last year and into the postseason. I mean, as we know, they were were lights out. But they, they definitely have some rough spots in there. You know, when you're talking about... I know, Robert, I know you've talked about this on the podcast before. Rafael Montero has certainly had his struggles. And, uh, you know, Hector Neris has been pitching pretty well until uh, Wednesday night. And he gave up, you know, the, the winning run. But, you know, something interesting about Montero, speaking of him, Robert, I was looking at some StatCast numbers today. And maybe the Astros should just pitch him at home and not pitch him on the road because... His numbers are better at home than they are on the road. He has only one win. It came at home. His three losses were on the road. His home ERA is something like 240. His road ERA is 1220. And his whip at home is much lower than his whip on the road. So, you know, I I don't know. He's certainly one of the biggest reasons that the bullpen has struggled. But I, I have to say, I think at some point they will get it together but it's still, you know, a bit of a concern because they've they've blown a few games the Astros could have won for sure.
1: I haven't used this one yet, but it seems like a popular phrase now. What does the back of the baseball card say, though, historically for <laughs> Montero? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, small sample sizes like the home road split, you know, can be excused away by even fundamental factors, right. um, you know, just depending on you know, how stressed the bullpen had been because of the starters not being able to go deep. Maybe it's happened more so where it's put him in situations on the road, on short rest. I'd like to see that stuff. And, you know, coming off of a career year last year, I'd like to see what he did, uh, you know, on the home road splits last year. I know it's easy enough to look up. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but those things are kind of curious to me. It looked to me, guys like Montero, it really kind of started to put things together in terms of consistency. I know he had, you know, a really poor two-week stretch last month, um, you know, early to mid-May. But, I mean, since getting blown to bits, you know, for – Back to back outings, giving up a combined eight runs. I mean, he's had one bad outing since then, really, maybe two, you know, where he's really kind of struggled command wise as well, outside of just giving up a couple of runs and some hits. But uh, I-, I thought like he's been doing a better job. And as the starting pitching continues to, I, I think, improve as well, you know, getting the contributions you're getting out of BLAC and JP France, it takes a little bit of heat off of guys like Montero and really the bullpen in general.
0: Yeah, it seems like with Montero, you can fade his struggles as opposed to Jose Abreu, who we got to see out there every single game. And, you know, it just seems like we're in an inevitable situation with Abreu that, I mean, I I don't know what what the deal is about rolling him out every game. Like, he's got to be in the lineup. And I said this earlier in the season, but we're – Now, you know, way into the season at this point, this is, you know, 60, 70, we're coming close to the halfway point of the entire season. And Abreu is still being treated like there's nothing going on. And this goes back to last year, his struggles. And we're talking about a lineup that's got guys at the back end that are performing and that deserve to be moved up in the lineup, whether it's Chaz or Jake Myers or Corey Jolks or whoever, they're all much better. And, you know, I just, I, I keep going back to this idea that you get the longest leash ever with Dusty. And again, there is no rule in baseball that says, once you move a guy to the eighth spot one day, you can't move him back to the fourth spot the, the next day. If he's hitting, you know, three hope runs the next day, well, great, he got three hope runs out of the eighth spot. You can move back up to the, to the fourth spot if he's starting to roll again. I mean, there's the, this isn't a rule, and for an offense that's inconsistent and struggling, you know, to have Jose Abreu sit right there in the, in the five or six spot in the lineup
2: just seems like it's it's craziness, Steven. I mean, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, he has been batting in the sixth hole, at least for the, the last several days, and I think he did get a game off the other day. But, you know, the biggest issue, Robert, is you're paying him an awful lot of money, and... You know, just, you're not going to sit somebody on the bench for a long period of time if you're paying them that kind of money, even if it is warranted. And, I, I mean, yeah, his struggles last year with the White Sox and then, you know, going into this year, I mean, at first you might say, well, you know, the first year that a player signs a big contract, typically, I mean, I'm not – I don't have numbers in front of me and there'd be a whole bunch of players that you'd have to go look at. But, you know, in a lot of instances, I see players – struggle in their first year with a big contract. And then they come back the second year, maybe some of the pressure's off, and they kind of realize that they don't have to do it all. But, you know, in, in Abreu's case, I don't know if it's that or if he's really just declined that much. I mean, it, it just what a drop-off he's had. I know it's been a steady decline, a slow decline in the last few years, but, man, this is crazy. I mean, he hit the one home run recently, and you thought, okay, maybe he's getting a stroke back. But I don't know. He's something like five for thirty-two since the home run. So uh, apparently not. So yeah, it's it is a mystery. But you just have to hope that the guy is either going to get it together the way Yuli Gurriel did toward the end of last season, and then get into the postseason, and then maybe come back the next year, just you know, completely reset, have an off season, and because the thing is, Jose Abreu doesn't have to do it all. It's not on his shoulders. You've got plenty of other guys that you can go to where. You're not the go-to guy, and he certainly hasn't been this year, for sure. Shot. Yeah. If you hit a home
0: run against the A's, does it count? And against the A's bullpen, does it count like as a double A home run? Well, is for Brady, it, it
1: does. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I saw your I saw your tweet the other day. Um, you know, I'll just point to this. You know, uh, one of the most historically poor franchises in sports history were the St. Louis Browns for so many years. And uh, while they had so many great players actually uh, come through and play for them, there was a lot of really great players that uh, compiled some fantastic all time stats against them uh, that are in the record books that we hold so dearly to our chest. Uh, So yeah, it doesn't matter if it's the A's, if it's uh, (laughs) the J's, it doesn't matter. The Royals, Whatever you do against the big league ball club, it counts. But I just wanted to make a point on uh, Abreu, if I could. You know, I, at this point, we're throwing everything up against the wall to see if it sticks with this guy, because we just don't know. Um, and the only thing I would say substantial that we've heard from anybody, whether it be Abreu himself, but just any member of this Houston Astros ball club has come from Alex Centron. And it wasn't a a a aha moment it wasn't like the light bulb had gone off even he at the time during the interview about a month ago now threw it up against the wall it seemed like when he was talking about "Eh, maybe it's a mechanical thing we don't know you know if there was ever a time for a guy a free agent particularly Um, And one of the most productive on the market this past offseason in Jose Abreu, there was ever an opportunity for a guy to come to a ball club that, oh, by the way, has gone to six straight ALCSs and has won two World Series now over the course of the last six years. It's Jose Abreu. He was coming into a really great ball club already. So Stephen's point, it's a fantastic one. But. You know, when you're used to being the dude, when you're used to, you know, producing at the level and you want to do everything you can to fit in, um, sometimes you it's natural. You're going to bring that extra uh, uh, extra added pressure to a situation. But I'll tell you this, for a guy that the organization is paying nearly $20 million a year to in Abreu, if he makes it through this season continuing to struggle like this, what kind of pressure do you think he's going to feel next spring training? When he's coming off of a career worst year in terms of production, everything across the board, what kind of pressure do you think he's going to feel then? Um, It's going to be twofold from what he must be feeling now. So maybe it's mechanical. Maybe it's the added pressure. Maybe it's a new city, new situation, new staff, new way of looking at things and data and all this stuff, and he's overwhelmed and he just can't be himself anymore. I don't know what it is. And every answer that he's given makes you feel like it's something personal going on within his everyday life, like yeah. as a human. So um, I, this feels like one of those things that we're not going to know very much about until it's the off season, if that Um, but I'll tell you this, you're getting very close to the point to where if you're the Astros, you really have to take a hard look at this thing. You know, one game here and there ain't going to do it to get this guy right. You might have to sit him a series or two and call it a wash, even though you're paying this guy $19.5 million this year. Look at the production you're getting out of Corey Julks and Chaz McCormick and Jake Myers and and, and all of these different lineups that uh, Baker has used this year. You talk about the inconsistency with the offense. There's an inconsistent lineup, which, you know, those two are not estranged from each other there's 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 a uh, commonality there. but hey, if you're getting production out of Diaz or Jolks or McCormick or Myers or any combination of those three, four five guys, you gotta eat it regardless of how much the guy's getting paid. It's about production and i I still believe over the course of the next month the Astros you know are gonna be atop the Rangers because you do have a big series coming up here in a couple of weeks or so, I think maybe a week, week and a half uh, with the Rangers. Um, but you don't want to let this thing get out of control. I mean, this division should be theirs, and I think it's still, even at this point, they believe it will be.
0: Sean, it's not pressure. He's 36 years old. He's been around for a decade. He's seen all the play- – he's been in playoffs. It's not pressure. Yeah, I get it.
2: Have you – No, you but I think it is. It? You're watching him, right, aren't you? I, I think it's psychological, uh, though.
0: I, 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 I know. I, I'm watching a guy that they're throwing fastballs to that you should be able to hit It they're 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 hit they're on fast foul after fast foul on the inner part of the plate. He can't catch up to it, you know. He he just doesn't have the hand eye coordination, he he can't do it anymore. It's to me, it's it's, you just watch him, he's just not he 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 can't do it. He there, this is like we know from watching baseball for a hundred years when you're 36 years old, when you're in your late 30s, there's a drop off, you know. This isn't it's We we'd look at things like like Tom Brady or LeBron James is normal or uh, or Justin Verlander those guys are not normal they're not
1: yeah but this isn't normal either I mean this is like Enron dude you know it's not even Yulies going from winning a batting title in you know 21 to hitting 247 in 2022. Um, I mean, he still had valuable parts of this game and was able to turn it on in the postseason. Like, when's this guy going to be able to turn it on? I get that over the course of the last two, three years, there's been a steady decline in some advanced numbers. But this is like Enron-level-esque type stuff where he's just fallen off of a cliff. And we're all wondering why. You know, and that's why I say you have to, like leave open the possibility, if we're going to throw this, that, and the other thing up against the wall, then why can't it be, you know, a combination of all of these things, maybe with a little pressure, because maybe he didn't come in with pressure, Robert, and he'd already entered this season having gone like 40 games, I think, without hitting a home run. You know, it was one of the longest stretches that he's ever had in his career. And now before he hit the first one this year, it was up to like 101 games or something like that. Something that he'd never experienced before. And it's important. Because when you're not able to put the ball into play regularly, like he's been used to doing since he's been a big leaguer, then the number one thing that keeps you on the field when you're not a stellar gold glove esque type first baseman or position player is you better be able to produce runs has he been able to produce runs throughout his career? He's been a gap hitter and he's been a power hitter. He's hit home runs. He's driven in a hundred runs almost every dang year that he's been in the league. He's not even approach, approaching anything close to that. No semblance of the previous games. So I think something else is going on. Is he really, is he hurt? You know, does he have something degenerative? If he does, like this is the first, he's never had, experienced anything like that before he's been one of the more durable players at his position over the course of the last I don't know, five six seven years really in his career so it's perplexing at this point in time and I get it if you're dusty you're just teetering right there you're so close I mean you're not playing bad baseball by any stretch you're just trying to afford the veteran to every single opportunity to figure this out and Again, I say you get to a certain point for the Astros, and that lead grows by the Rangers to four-and-a-half, five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half games. you got to figure something out and do something to get more consistent offensively. And making a change at first base and at the plate with the Abreu not being a part of it has got to be uh, seriously considered.
0: Yeah, everybody just seems to go, well, Dusty's won a zillion games, and he's a genius, and we love Dusty because he won a World Series. Just because a guy wins a World Series – and just because a guy's won two thousand games, you can still have a flaw. You know, you you can still yeah. not be perfect. And you know, saying, "Well, you know, if you say on social media, well, you know, why is it Dusty dropping a rayu down the lineup? Why doesn't y- 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 Yanner Diaz, who has a better ERA when he's behind the plate, than Martin Maldonado, the brilliant leader of this entire the team, would fall apart?" According to Dusty, if Baldy's not behind home plate, you could still be incorrect if you're Dusty Baker. Like, Stephen, what do you do if you're Dusty? What would you do with Yonar Diaz and Martin Maldonado with this fight?
2: Well, I'm glad you asked because it's funny. I was just about to get to Yonar Diaz. I wanted to talk about him for a moment because not only has he shown some great sense behind the plate, but his hitting is starting to pick up, and I don't think it's any coincidence that it's because he is playing a little bit more as of late. You know, he's hitting better. You know, cutting down on swinging outside the strike zone, I think, has helped him a lot because, man, during May, he was swinging at pitches outside the zone way above what the league average is. He was like 47.6%, and the league average is like 284 But he has definitely been hitting better playing better defensively. And, Robert, you you, touched about, you talked about what Dusty's philosophy is, and I'm not necessarily suggesting that Dusty and Dana Brown, are, are, you know, are, are having tense moments necessarily the way that, you know, Dusty and James Click were having. But but let me just tell you, Dana Brown has made some comments about Yonor Diaz lately yep. that lead me to wonder. And one of those comments was, is he, he would like to see Yonner playing more. And Dana mm-hmm. Brown, of course, is quick to add, well, it's Dusty's call, but dot, dot, dot. So it kind of makes you wonder, how close is Dana Brown's philosophy to Dusty's, especially when it comes, you know, to guys like Yonner Diaz, you know, Ronel Blanco, they finally put him in the starting job, just like Dana Brown wanted. Guess what? You know, Ronald Blanco has pitched six innings in both of his starts. So that is something to think about, you know, just keep under your hat a little bit, let it sit for a while down the road and let's see what happens.
1: I'm looking at a very simple split here uh, and it's a small sample size, but in short, I will just say this, look, Janner needs more at bats. He needs more playing time. I think we'd all agree there. And maybe he doesn't necessarily need to find it behind the dish, uh, which you make a great point. Stats don't lie, Robert. I mean, we'd all prefer it to be much more behind the dish. But for a dude that ain't hitting squat against lefties, against righties, it doesn't matter, is Jose Abreu. If you can get Yonar Diaz at bats at first base while Maldonado's catching, um, that's another one of those options that I think has to be explored and considered. But it's I'll a missed opportunity.
0: It's a missed it's a opportunity missed. because sure. they had she has up for two months. And Abreu mm-hmm. is struggling and struggling and struggling. And you could have put Yonar Diaz out there more at first base than they did. And I mm-hmm. think Data Brown, to Stephen's point, data Brown, I think you heard in that frustration is, why wasn't Yonder batting occasionally more for Jose Abreu? And to Steven's point also, why wasn't Yonder Diaz pitch hitting more late in games in the seventh or eighth inning when you have another catcher in, you know, right sitting there, and Salazar, I, I forgot, I might have screwed his name over. Yeah, but name sorry, Salazar is who you're doing.
2: And they sent him down recently, yeah. though, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think Data probably just got pissed. I think the reason why he got sent down is Data Brown, you know, he got pissed off because, like, I, I, I gave you a third catcher so we could see more Diaz. And I, and I just left him up there and you did nothing with him. He got 10 at bat. It was a wasted roster spot.
1: Yeah. Look, uh, against right-handers uh, as a starter or just, uh, you know, even coming off the bench, Jonar Diaz is hitting, you know, 305 this season, particularly as a starter. He's hitting 321, and that's where he's gotten all three of his home runs um, as an astro this season is as a starter against right-handed hitting. He hasn't hit left-handed pitching very well this season. Again, a very small sample size, but looking at Martin Maldonado against left-handed pitching, Martin Maldonado. When's the last time this dude's hit 300 against anything or anybody at any <laughs> point in time? It's against left-handed pitching this season. Again, fairly small sample size. But situationally, maybe this is something, at the very least, to get this dude at bats, you need to consider in infusing Yanardia's Diaz situationally more in games instead of trusting that old KG veteran at the plate and Martin Maldonado, which look, he gave us some memories over the course of the last couple of years in the regular season and some of the postseason and some big time moments. But at the end of the day, man, it's about um, you know, chasing the Texas Rangers right now, which finally I feel like for the first time all damn season this week, they're starting to get a little bit of respect for doing what they've done as a ball club the Astros don't want to be looking up at this ball club all season long. You've got to do what you've got to do because you've been inconsistent offensively because the lineup has been inconsistent uh, all season long. And it's not all Dusty's fault. I mean, you have to give the guy a ton of credit for what he's done. Um, you know, his third year as an Astros manager he has to get some credit. But Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve, whatever's going on with Jordan, Alvarez, you know, leaving the ball game tonight. Like, McCullers, like, you're, you're you're missing guys all over the place, man, and you're still a darn good ball club. Well, optimize. Be the best ball club you could possibly be, and you're not doing it with guys like Jose Abreu getting the at-bats that he is, Yonair not getting the bats that he deserves.
0: Yeah, Shaw just mentioned it. We're recording on Thursday night. You heard on these game with a right oblique strain. And Stephen, it's scary because the reason why we're talking about Abreu and the Yadier Diaz situation hitting is because it seems like if Jordan isn't doing anything with his team, then this offense is very, very inconsistent, and and it just seems like you you need a a, a longer lineup. You need to tweak things a little bit more than you have had to do in previous years because of the Altuve. Being an in and out with his injuries, Bregman with his incredibly slow start as usual, and and just other factors. So I mean, Shaw, this is this is why it, it's even this is why it's so important that you know you you do get some help because you know yeah, Gordon goes down with an oblique strain and like oh, if we're gonna miss it for three days, how do we score runs?
2: Yeah, that is absolutely right, and it seems like you know one guy gets, you know, goes back in, and then another guy goes out, and I'm talking about your main hitters, you know. Alvarez is out now. Altuve had come back in after being out for so long. He was lighting it up, and then he goes back out again. So, you know, the the lineup hasn't even been that consistent. You're talking about some of your main guys have spent either a lot or a little time on the IL or just been sitting out with injuries. So it is a concern. You know, the one thing I would say to look to is, The trade deadline's coming up. And, yeah, the Astros may need another starting pitcher. But something tells me they're going to try to go get a bat when the trade deadline gets here, especially if things don't start to turn around in the next few weeks. I I think even Dana Brown has even hinted at something like that in some of his comments recently, is that the Astros definitely need more help off the bench or even just another bat in the lineup.
1: Yeah, he said, you know, numerous times since he'd been hired that he's going to be aggressive right um and that's fine you know you can talk about it but at the end of the day he might actually be in a position to where he's got to be aggressive and i i think they should be in the market for a bat i think they should be in the market for more pitching but it's going to be really a good follow i think for all of us to see exactly you know, between now and the trade deadline, which is like, what, August 1st or whatever, like 2 or 3 p.m., right. I think, right? right. So you got, a little, you got a little bit. But it's going to largely be dictated by what this ball club does now through this upcoming stretch. You're four and a half games behind the Texas Rangers. I mean, you lost the last couple, on the Rangers, you know, they won some close games. Um, Heck, even lost one nothing yesterday after getting a stellar pitching performance. And so, you know, when Jordan's out of the lineup, who knows how long he's going to be back. Maybe he's back, you know, in a couple of days. Dusty says this all the time. You know, I don't like if a guy says he's ready, if the training staff says he's ready, I like to give him an extra day or two just to make sure. So you're looking at already by that logic, you know, Jordan being out over the course of the next two, three, four days. Just that. A lot can happen in two, three, four days. Strohs can start on the slide. You might be looking seven and a half, eight games up with the Rangers by at that point. So, Dana Brown's going to have some really tough decisions to make, guys. I've just been trying to rack my brain. How the heck do you get out from underneath of this dang Jose Abreu contract? Because I was talking him up like no other this off season. I was excited about it legitimately, <laughs> but it's getting to a point now where you know I'm going to have his back until I don't. Um, and when I don't, it's going to be because he's not a member of this ball club anymore. I just don't see that as a possibility. But I do still think if you explore a bat possibility that maybe it is a first baseman and maybe it's a decision you make, you know what, you're going to pay this dude his money to figure it out on the bench and be a situational guy for you. I don't but, know.
0: But, Sean, but Sean, if it is a first baseman, I mean, my concern is, remember last year, Yuli was really struggling the entire year. They bring over yeah. a trade man, CD at a trade, but he and was good dusty, at first base. <laughs> dusty would even play. He would barely play him. If, yeah. if data Brown brings in a really good first baseman, does dusty play him? I that's, that's where I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe data Brown has a little bit more pull than James click. Maybe James click couldn't say anything to dusty. Maybe, a da- maybe data is like, look, look, man. Uh, you're not getting another GM fired at the end of the year. So you're going to have to work with me. And if I bring in a first baseman, you're going to have to play him, whether you like it or not, because this guy looks like he's washed.
1: Yeah. Steven, how how do you see this thing playing out, man? Can you survive long-term? And by that, I just mean this season, you know, uh, hoping that a snaps out of it, or is that a position where you need to really look at adding a bat?
2: Well, I certainly think if you're going to add a bat, it needs to be somebody who can play first base, you know, even if on a backup basis. Yeah, I know you've got guys like Jonar Diaz who could probably spot, but I think you need to get a bat in there because, look, the Astros don't have really anybody in their farm system that you can say, oh, there's your future first baseman. We can just bring him up, grim him along, and if Abreu continues to struggle, put him in there. Yeah, I think you do need to get a bat that at least – has experience at first base so if you decide to make a change whether it's this year next year who knows what the free agency market holds by then yeah I think you need to certainly start the conversation and think about it now especially if Abreu doesn't turn it around
1: yeah I mean look if if you're all about spending money and uh you know I mean Jim Crane's not going to be accused of spending money irresponsibly right yeah, I mean if that yeah. was the case you know he would have signed Verlander and you know probably made a handful of other moves and he still gave Nerys his deal Montero his deal signed a brave for you know above market value what he probably would have commanded um, this past offseason but um, there comes a certain point where and I'm really trying to get this across to where you know everybody understands it but I don't care if a Braves making nineteen and a half million dollars. If you need to go sign a guy that's making fifteen million dollars, that he that is gettable, um, you know that can play first base and you know that can bat cleanup or you know in the five spot uh in this lineup this year for a Brave, steal those bats away from him. Do it, you know, because yeah. you have to consider the amount of production that you're getting for other guys on the cheap. I just mentioned, you know, a number of them, McCormick and Myers and Julks, France and Belak. Every year, it seems like the Astros get dudes that aren't supposed to, that aren't on the map to show up and pitch their butts off or play their butts off. And I just call that, you know, the risk of doing business. Well, we've all seen, you know, at this point in time the risky business that the Astros and Jeff Bagwell and Jim Crane involved themselves in this off season with, you know, the Abreu signing, you can fix it. It's going to cost you, but you can fix that mistake by making a good decision, uh, you know, ahead of the trade deadline. And I just believe, I have to believe that the Astros you know, are going to be married to Dana Brown for quite some time, at least over the course of the next couple of three years, unless something egregious is done or negligible uh, is done. I think they're going to give Dana Brown every opportunity to fix this thing.
2: Well, you just alluded to it, Sean, and I was going to say, let's not forget Dana Brown was not the one who signed Jose Abreu. Right. So you can't pin that on him. No. You know, these other guys, you know, that you mentioned, you know, they've been around for a few years, but, you know, it's still early in the game and Dana Brown can still make some moves that, you know, could help this club. But we cannot pin the Jose Abreu thing on him because – he wasn't here when that signing took place.
1: No, but you know, by the same token, I don't want to pin it all on Jeff Bagwell either. I don't want to pin. I, I, I think there's, I, I think there's fault of you know Bagwell, but really Crane as well. I mean, he's the guy right. calling the shots. Yeah, um, he's Just the guy. That, right, he's the one that wanted Jeff Bagwell to be the face, the voice of the front office this offseason. There's a reason why he sent Bagwell over to consummate that deal with the Braille. doesn't mean he put the whole darn thing together. You know, the guy at the top's got to sign off on it. But, you know, both are culpable in making that decision. And it just so happened that in, you know, one of the, I don't know, clearer path offseasons for a team coming off of winning a World Series like the Astros did might have made a really large mistake that, that costs you this season. Um, you still have an opportunity to correct, you know, that move this season. Now, in terms of dealing with the future monies, um, it's the cost of doing business. Money's money. And none of it is ours. Uh, and Jim Crane's got plenty of it. And it's a, you know, non-cap sport. So um, they can still write this ship. It's just all about getting the right guy in the right situation but to produce.
0: Yeah, let me ask uh, Stephen about this because um, this is something I don't know if many Astros fans have thought about, but Hunter Brown, this is his first full major league season. And he went last year into November. Now, I get it. He didn't pitch a lot, but it was stressful innings when he did get a chance to pitch in the postseason. He went longer and had to, you know, be more on top of his game than he's ever had to In any time in his life, you know, from the beginning of April last year until November, do you, Stephen, think about shutting Hunter Brown down for two or three weeks or, you know, somewhere later in this uh, July or August? Because if you are a postseason team, you know, Hunter Brown's going to go into October again, and he's a young guy, and you don't want to screw with a great young arm like his.
2: Well, that is an interesting point, and, and it's something that they may have to look at, especially, I mean, he hasn't exactly been lights out in his last couple of starts, and I think that, that could be one reason, especially if the Astros did get another starting pitcher in the trade deadline. That's something that you certainly could think about, provided, of course, that you don't have any more go down with injuries the way, the way things have been going. You know, if you could get Arquiti back and if he could be effective, that would help. that might be something that you might have to think about. I I certainly don't believe they're going to do it now. But if you get into, let's say, August, perhaps, yeah, it might be something that you look at. Because, you know, in AAA, you know, they do the the back-to-back starter thing where you might go four, five innings, and then another guy might go four or five innings. They do that a lot in Sugar Land. So, yeah, Hunter Brown hasn't done the six, seven, eight-inning thing the way it's done in the major, uh, major league level. So it is something that I I think that's a great point, Robert. It's something that they may have to take a look at in the next few weeks, especially if Hunter starts to really struggle. Like, he just hasn't been quite lights out lately.
1: Uh, Let me make a point on that real quick. You know, just looking at the numbers for Hunter Brown, last year in the minor leagues, he pitched 106 innings. For the Astros, uh, he pitched 20.1 in the regular season. It's 126 innings. The year prior to that, when he stayed in the minors the entire year, he pitched a hundred and a third innings. So assuming that now at the age of 24, you know, he's going to see another steady increase in workload in terms of innings pitched right this season, you go from a hundred to 126 and a third, maybe he's on pace for about 145. Let's just call it this season. Well, with 95 ball games left, in the regular season for the Astros looks like they're going to kind of maybe go with a six man rotation, but who knows for how long, even if it's five somewhere between there, the guy's going to get between 16 and 19 more outings. Let's just call it 17. If he pitches an average of, you know, five innings, you know, in all of those starts, that's right there at that 140 inning threshold. Yeah. When you make the playoffs, When you make the playoffs, you pitch extra by, you know, default. You made the playoffs. And the Astros, while they could have used him, and we probably even talked about this guy being an integral part of the Astros, whether it be as a starter last year or even out of the pen to pitch in the postseason, they didn't do that a whole lot. He came out of the pen, what, once once or twice last year in the postseason for him? Well you're twenty four years old you've got some experience you sat and watched a lot you even helped a little bit. He's going to be asked to do a little bit more because more is expected of him, and I don't think we're at the point yet where we should start freaking out about his workload because it's not like he's going from a hundred innings pitched last year to an expected one sixty it's going to be what it looks like to be a pretty steady incline. And anytime you make the postseason, more is going to be asked of you. But let's not forget, um, and Lance McCullers, in my mind, and it seems like both of you guys or anybody else doesn't exist right now, nor should he. And, hey, you know, God hopes, you know, we all all hope he gets healthy. But Astros are doing pretty damn good right now without him. Um, And maybe you explore an option to where, hey, Hunter Brown towards the end of the regular season, if you've got a wild card locked up, if you got the division cinched up, he misses a couple of starts, and you save him for the postseason. And you look at somebody that you called up in September to give you some innings. So I, I think I think we maybe need to. Um, Continue to monitor, but I'm not. I'm not, um, you know, overly concerned by any stretch uh, about his work. Yeah, you,
0: right you just roundabout said what I said right off the top, which is basically like, yeah, you might want to rest him later. I, I don't think you rest him in September yeah. because you want to get him, you know, back into a groove in September, going into October. Fair, yeah, right, and, yeah.
2: right. and and the know, six man year, rotation will help now too. So, mm-hmm. and and let's not forget
0: the Astros where they are right now. It's an issue that, like you, might have to be worried about just making the playoffs because the Rangers, are, you know, we've said it, they're no joke. And I, I just think a lot of people, you know, that are fans of baseball think, oh, these managers, you know, they don't mean a whole lot, you know, for games or whatever. Well, this guy that the Rangers have as manager this year, <laughs> he's pretty person. good. Yeah, he's yeah, a winner. He's in the
2: World Series. <laughs> <I> mean...
0: <laughs> Yeah, and and, and and they didn't have a manager that I don't think was as good as Bruce Bochi the last few years. And no. yeah, he he seems to mean W's, and, and 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 we just we ignore we think well, the NFL. Oh, w, the difference between David Cully and Bill Belichick it's a big deal. But in baseball, we're just like, well, you can get a monkey to manage these guys, and they're a super. Ta- and no, I get no. it; the Rangers have added no. talent, but. Hey but it, it it's not that it's not all that
1: ask buck showalter about getting a monkey or you know geeky stat nerds to manage a ball club you know he doesn't even write his own lineups anymore and it seems like he's about fed up with that um uh, so i i agree with you i mean but let's not forget you know the rangers have also spent some money and you know got some better right. players and they're getting better production but um yeah bochi's a freaking legend um i'm i'm a little pissed off that that geezer still knows what you know, side is up and down. You know, I was hoping for more of a Tony La Russa type year.
0: <laughs> well, they <laughs> spent Russo. money on Jacob DeGrom and guess what? He, he hasn't made much of a difference. No, he's yeah, no, you're he's right. right.
1: You're yeah. right, but they're getting contributions from all over the place. I mean, right. the Rangers are for real. There's no question about that for them to significantly uh, experience a drop off. We're talking like multiple players need to have issues, go down, injuries, just stop producing. And you know, look, it's possible, but you know we we talked about this. I think all three of us um, prior to the season, just how lucky the Astros got um, last year with the lack of injury. I mean, it was next to nothing, right. and the pitching was so good that yeah, you could stand Verlander to be out for a little bit, and you wouldn't you wouldn't sniff at it um you could stand you know a guy in the lineup to be out for a little bit or go through a struggle and we we've seen it Tucker went through struggles last year Bregman went through struggles last year maybe nothing like he's experienced this season but it happens there's an ebb and flow the ebb or the flow whichever one is the bad one it's coming for the Rangers um the question is is are the Astros going to have their stuff together to where they can start eating into you know that deficit uh, atop the division. And right now, I, I feel pretty fortunate for them that it's just four and a half coming into the play tonight.
0: Steven, I, I want to give you uh, one last word. Anything that we didn't talk about on the Astros? And before you say anything, I'll just, you know, send my apology letter. I'm going to sign it real quickly to Jake Myers and Mauricio Dubod. I'm sorry we're not trusting you guys. You guys are way better than I ever thought you would be this year.
2: Well, you know what? I was not on the Mauricio Dubon, you know, gravy train at the beginning of the season either, Robert. So I'll, I'll sign that letter too. Now, Jake Myers, I mean, I, I did pick Jake Myers to be the the surprise of the year, and it didn't look like at the beginning that it was going to be right, you know, and there's still a long way to go. But, man, he certainly looks like the Jake Myers that we saw a couple of years ago, albeit a smaller sample size until he hit the wall in that playoff series. But, oh, gosh, Jake Myers, eh? you know, it, it, talk about a mechanical thing. It was, for sure, because the the hitting coaches got with him. He got that leg kick, and, man, he hasn't been the same hitter since. So whatever it is, Jake, keep it up, because you certainly need his bat in the lineup. You need Corey Jolts to keep hitting. Chaz McCormick to keep doing his thing. Yonar Diaz, I mean, these are guys that, you know, they're young and they're still trying to figure it out. But you can see that they are good hitters. If they can just get, you know, a consistent playing time and just a consistent feel for things, then, yeah, guys like Jake Myers and and the rest of them, it's going to really help this Astros lineup a lot.
1: Hey, do you all have something I can sign that says, I told you so?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll sign it at the bottom. P.S. I told you so.
1: <laughs> hey, you're right. So it's it's a long season still, 95 ball games. But uh, yeah, I think we should definitely be uh, pleasantly surprised not just about those two, but again, you know, um, other dudes that they're having to rely upon right now that are producing. Corey Jolks, Kooks, go Kooks, baby! One of them, JP France, yeah. Brandon Belak. Um, I'm still hoping and holding out hope that my man Ryan Stanick figures it out and brings that, you know, 551 ERA down to, you know, maybe a 215 range by season's end. Um, We'll see. Because I tell you what, if he's able to do that, if he's able to turn it around and Montero's able to put it together, then my goodness, this pitching staff and bullpen look absolutely amazing. Just fix the hitting situation, and I'll be happy. Yeah,
0: and you talk about Corey Jolks, and, you know, he's been really good. But I still want to see him get some more walks. His on-base percentage is terrible. And I'm going to just throw something out there. Just a little bit of of observation on Drew Gilbert, who, you know, he's a double-A right now, first-round pick for the Astros last year. You know, he's not burning up double-A. But what he's done in Single a and double-A this year in both leagues, getting on base, it's a big deal. You know, in Corpus right now, he's hit at 229, but his on base is 366. And that, more than anything, tells you if a guy could be an elite hitter. Because it's really hard to be an elite hitter if you're not recognizing balls and strikes. And not just knowing the strike zone, but also, you know, what Alex Bregman does so well, Stephen and Sean, When you watch Alex Bregman, that guy knows when it's a breaking pitch and it's not a breaking pitch. And, okay, that's a breaking pitch that's going to dive out. It's not just a breaking pitch, but it's one that it looks like it's going to dive out of the zone. And I think that's what makes him special as a hitter. And Jordan Alvarez, you see that with him. You see it with Kyle Tucker. So just keep an eye out for this kid because I think he's going to be special. I really do.
2: Well, you are absolutely right, and and he's also playing some pretty darn good center field. I mean, he could very well be the Astros center fielder of the future, as crazy as that sounds, when you've already got <laughs> kind of a log jam with McCormick and Myers and, you know, but but Drew Gilbert, you know, there are some who have wondered if he might even get to be a September call-up. I, I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but, I mean, this is a kid that obviously has great work ethic, because don't forget, he had that major injury last year where he was just starting out in A ball, and he got injured, and he's already back this year. It was a pretty major major injury, and he, you know, did great in single A, and then, like you said, he's struggled a little bit at Corpus Christi, but the on-base percentage is something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, this is a guy that a name, you know, kind of like the Christian Javier of the past, you know. Somebody like Drew Gilbert, it's a name that you definitely need to pay attention to because you're going to hear it again and again.
1: He definitely feels like he's going to be special. Looks looks like he's going to be special. Um, my mind is running wild, man, thinking about the future. If you had Gilbert in center, Tucker locked up in right field. Uh, if you brought back uh, Bregman and Altuve on uh, extensions, you got Pena locked up for a while. Uh, yanner Diaz at catcher figure this first base situation out and uh, maybe jokes is your everyday left fielder uh, for the foreseeable future. And my goodness, this is going to be a fun ball club for a long time. Uh, There's not that many holes presumably uh, that they're going to have to worry about filling. Uh, It's just going to take some execution and, you know, maybe tough decisions in terms of some guys, you know, like Altuve's not going anywhere, but, you know, Tucker and Bregman extensions, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens, but um, it's it's exciting to think about. It's going to be a lot of fun when we get to that point, but uh, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit, man. Ninety-five ball games left in this season. Let's do it. Maybe Gilbert, uh, you know, goes on a tear and we get a chance to get him a cup of coffee at the end of the season. I want to see it.
0: Works for me. <laughs> if the Astros feel like they have to go after a pitcher, I I, I look at him as just untouchable. I would not. Yeah. I would not spend an asset like him on a starting pitcher. You know, even if you think you're getting an ace, it's going to be a rental. It's going to be a guy. Typically it's a year or two, unless unless you feel like you could get somebody that's got, you know, four years left or something like that. Right. You know, and, and that guy's like a, one of those golden number one arms. Other than that, He's, he's, he's an untouchable in any trade situation.
2: Well, look how many times, look how many times that other teams wanted Kyle Tucker and Forrest Whitley. Yep. And the Astros refused to give either one of them up. Now, you know, we can say Forrest Whitley at this point has not panned out. Kyle Tucker certainly has, but remember those two guys were untouchable. There was no way they were giving them up. Not even for Justin Verlander. not even for Zach Greinke, none of those guys so it is not far-fetched to think that they could get another good pitcher you know even a, a two or three guy for less than drew gilbert
1: here's the here's the thing though uh, you got an outsider man as gm now you know somebody that we really don't know how they operate and uh, we're going to see just exactly what the word aggressive means Uh, to Dana Brown in terms of talking it and walking it. So, but I I agree with you. I was actually just going to say that, like how many guys over the course of the last five to 10 years, let's just say in this farm system, have the Astros deemed quote unquote untouchable. I mean, I imagine at one point, the guy that just made it back to the bigs uh, and Jonathan Singleton was one of those dudes. Forrest Whitley was one. Kyle Tucker was one. Maybe Hunter Brown was, you know, regarded and talked about in that respect uh, over the course of the last couple of three seasons. But the point is there ain't been many. And the ones that, you know, were absolutely hands off. Hey man, you know, 50, percent success rate, you know, maybe 67% success rate. If you count Hunter Brown, and Kyle Tucker against, uh, uh, a forced Whitley two out of three ain't bad, man. Uh, I like it. Uh, but I'm with you. Uh, hands off, uh, Garrett Gilbert, man. Don't even look at this dude uh, <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> you know, I got some choice words if I'm Dana Brown and the Astros for anybody that inquires about this dude, don't even send me an email. Yeah. I'm going to put you in the junk folder, bro.
0: Yeah. I, I I'm looking forward to see Drew Gilbert, uh, with the Astros and, uh, just, uh, love uh, getting to catch up with you stephen uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and and i, I I'm not la- I'm not uh, laughing at anybody's jokes outwardly because my my jaws stuck but just to let everybody know uh, I can't smile and laugh but uh i I'm having a great time talking to you guys and thanks a lot
2: Hey, at you least bet. hit us
1: up with, like, an emoji or something. Like, uh, give us the LOL. Like, maybe hold yeah. up a sign. <laughs>
2: yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Keep fighting, Robert. You're a fighter,
0: man. So keep yes, on sir. fighting. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll, we'll catch you. Steven. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with him later. And, Sean, let's do what we get on Monday.
1: Yes, sir. I'm here for it. Go Sounds coos. good, buddy. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and
0: commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.